just came back from uh, Operation Christmas Child. We had a yes team there. Age, age range was uh, 16 to 82. And we've been there before when the age range is probably 60 and above. And it just changes the dynamics of the whole serving team. You have younger people with us and just the conversation around the table for lunch afterwards. I mean, it's just a lot richer. Well, welcome to another edition of Engaging the Generations. I'm Sarah Greenstreet, your co-host, along with our host, Kevin Harper, inviting you to join us as we finish our conversation with Wes Wick about how easy it is to judge one another in different generations and make assumptions that prevent us from doing life together in productive and meaningful ways. It's often easier, isn't it, Kevin, to focus on what we perceive to be differences rather than what can unite us. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that, Sarah. Uh, yeah, I think we're all guilty of doing that, regardless of what generation we, we represent, aren't we? Uh, and that's why I'm eager to continue our conversation with Wes Wick, founder and director of Yes, Young Enough to Serve, because I'm wanting to hear what he is doing himself to break free of these stereotypes we create for one another. So welcome back, Wes. We left off last session talking about how we build these stereotypes around the different generations that... Well, they tend to make building strong intergenerational relationships more difficult. So let's talk now about some solutions. What are some productive things that you are doing at YES that can maybe be helpful to us in breaking free from these unfair generational stereotypes and find ways to do life together? What things have you discovered that work? Yeah, one one of the challenges we've talked about already is just the, the fact that most of the leadership involved with older adults are people you know 55 and over uh focused on our own peer group and maybe a little bit older but uh it's you know, being very intentional about going after somebody younger to to join your leadership team that's that's been part of our uh, mindset and heart and there would be somebody younger in your church who would have a heart for older adults. And you just if you go find at least one of them, they can help you bring others. So, you know, it's it's not this top-down kind of approach where, okay, we want to reach younger generations and we're going to figure out exactly how we're going to do it. And here's here's how we're going to do it. Now you need to bring them in into the conversation as leaders and say, okay, what what's what would actually work? Um so it becomes much more practical when you have younger leaders at the table with you, you know, talking about events, um, you know, maybe some serving, serving opportunities. We've, anytime we are able to make it an intergenerational experience, uh, it just our, our trips are, are much more um, positive. And, you know, again, it's, it's having a broader circle. We just, just came back from uh, Operation Christmas Child. We had a yes team there. Age, age range was uh, 16 to 82. And we've been there before when the age range is probably 60 and above. And it just changes the dynamics of the whole serving team. You have younger people with us and just the conversation around the table for lunch afterwards. I mean, it's just a lot richer. So, again, just being very intentional and finding somebody uh, to, to, to kind of break the ice and uh, change the, the dynamics of your leadership team, if you have a team, um, but just just being very intentional and then kind of going from there. And in our case, once we had one younger person on our board, they helped us find other, other younger people. It's, it's, it's an easier 
thing to do when you have younger people on there looking with you too for others. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and, and and I, you know, I'm sitting here listening to the idea of inviting younger people to be a part of the leadership team for the older ministries. Um, I would I would almost say that we need to challenge the rest of the church as well, where it's all focused on the younger generations to invite some of the older to be a part of the leadership team there as well. It goes both directions. It and does. Again, thinking of 1 Corinthians 12, you know, it's the, the head cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. The, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever, whatever age we're in, if we're, if we're a younger ministry focused and we're saying we have no need for older adults to help us, it's like you're missing out. Um, and there's been all kinds of studies that show how valuable these older adult relationships are in the lives of younger people. Um, Sticky Faith is one of those uh, yeah. books that was written that, um, <clears throat> yeah, it just has a it's had a real impact on our perspective, just knowing that that these kids that go off to college, if they have just the peer-to-peer experience only, their chances of walking away from their faith is so much greater than those that have maybe five or more Christian adults in their lives uh, invested mm-hmm. in them and, and praying for them and communicating with them. And so it's, you know, if it's just the peer-to-peer, um, it's pretty much up for grabs after they leave the house and leave leave uh, for college or wherever they're, they're heading off to. Uh, the influences are strong out there. And, and again, could be family connections, could be older adults in the church, but uh, just making those connections uh, makes a huge difference in people's walk with the Lord after their adolescent years. I love your perspective of like the value of the relationship, like not just taking time to like get to know and understand each other, but to commit to like having a relationship with one another and really like investing in those lives. Like, I think that's, that's kind of the, the turning point, I think of just, Oh, we'll just understand and tolerate each other's generations to like truly doing life together. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Tolerance is not, not necessarily the goal. It's, it's, you want to move well beyond that to friendship and, and yeah. Yeah. those kinds of relationships that, that, you know, just build off each other. And part of the perspective too, is just as older adults, we, have to be careful that we're not just coming across that we have so much to pour into younger people's lives. Yeah, um, it's it's again just acknowledging our need for younger people and it's a two way street. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When the disciples were pushing the kids away from Jesus, you know his his admonition to them was not, "Hey, these kids really need you." He said, "Man, if, if you don't become like them, you're not going to even enter enter the kingdom." So it's it's like mm-hmm. we need them. We need the influence of of younger perspective in our lives. Yeah, we are the body of Christ. So I, so what are the things that you are doing as an organization, uh, yes, uh, to um, r- to make this kind of thing happen in the local church? I have you I guess I guess what I'm asking is have you seen any success positive response to the things that you're talking about with us here today in the churches that you work with? Yes, um, it's easier, I guess, when you have a fresh new leader coming into the to the role, and they're just kind of wanting to to do things maybe a little bit differently than than their predecessors. You know, people who have been leading in this area of ministry for a long time, it's hard for them to to shift gears and and even think intergenerationally or think about a lot of serving projects. And they're, you know, they might be just trying to stay afloat and do their 
hospital visitation and funerals and all that. But you know, if, if you're saying your ministry is focused 55 and over, there's a lot of people with robust health in that age group. And so um, our heart is to, to just broaden that uh, perspective. It's not necessarily de-emphasizing the care that needs to happen for the elderly. We need that. But even even people who are frail and have a phone, they can do ministry from their home. They can write cards and letters. They can, there's just, you know, it's, it's not just receiving ministry, but also giving, giving from their, their hearts. So again, just uh, our, our sweet spot has been typically um, leaders coming into this, just saying, okay, how, how can we make it more intergenerational? How can we make it more, of a serving emphasis. We see, see what you're talking about. How can we do it? And so that's, that's been our training emphasis uh, through our videos and through private consultation, just by just encouraging uh, leaders that, that really want that to happen. And uh, there's an easy path to it and it's not that complicated, but just uh, you have to have a different mindset than, than just the hymn sings and the, and the backroom Bible studies and, and, Field trip, so. so you're getting some positive responses in the work that you're Absolutely. doing. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's, you know, it's, well, I like what you're saying, but, you know, I just, I can't really, we're going to default maybe to the, to the least able among us. And we're not going to do serving projects because some of our people can't do that. We don't want to offend the older. And it's like, well, no, you just, you want, you want a broader palette of opportunities that, that people can, can be involved in. It's always kind of amazed me in, in speaking with various pastors who kind of nod their head a little bit and say, yeah, you know, that we need to find ways to do that. Um, and yet the often excuses that come up, you know, are, well, we just got so much on our plate and things like this. And it's always puzzled me when we make statements like that as leaders of a church it's almost like we have ignored the First Corinthians twelve and Romans twelve passages about the body of Christ and Ephesians and Ephesians four that we are the body of Christ. We need each other, and no part can say to the other, "I have no need of you." But it, there's almost like, um, and, and, and I don't know whether you've experienced this or not, but it's almost like that that is just ignored. Um, or, or it's, it's justified and it's rationalized, I guess, in some way that, well, we're, we're doing that. Look, we got all the, we got all the generations in our church. Uh, yeah, but we're not doing life together. Yeah. And sometimes there's a, a blind spot there because the pastor himself or herself, they have a heart for every generation and, you know, they see, they see happy older adults in their congregation. They see happy younger people and, all that, and but it's you know if they see ministry happening and it's all kind of peer peer related and and it's much better than a church that that only has a couple generations represented and so you know sometimes it's it's hard to, to acknowledge that there's still a problem that generations aren't aren't impacting each other especially if a pastor has a heart themselves for every generation uh, they may not see. A, it may not be a big deal, but the pastor is obviously key to this whole whole operation. Where you know, if you if the pastor's heart is to see more intergenerational ministry, it's more likely to happen. And uh, again, you're challenged if you're an older adult leader in a church where there's not a vision for that. You can do some th- things on your own. You're not going to get in trouble by 
inviting a younger leader to your leadership team and trying to figure things out and how you're not going to get in trouble for that, but it's much easier when a church is really uh, behind it, encouraging it, understanding the value. And uh, it's, it's pretty much a cultural thing. I, I mentioned in my video that um, I grew up, I, I have a business major and, and market segmentation is a very common principle in business, but we're not the business of Christ, we're the body of Christ. And it's the interacting of those elements, you know, between between generations, you know, it's it's between cultures, between, you know, the poor and the rich and all. I mean, just everybody mm. needs to, to see their va- the value of people different than ourselves. So, yeah, yeah, that that is really true, isn't it? How market, se- uh, market segmentation has really become uh, the standard and by which even the church operates today. And uh, that, that's a sad thing that we've adopted the cultural model versus the biblical model and uh you know my my big question and challenge is how do we really impact the thinking of the church uh leadership in a way that shifts their thinking from the business model to the to the ecclesia model uh, how do, how do we do that? How do we begin? What, what would you recommend? What would you suggest to maybe pastors who may be listening today uh, how, to begin rethinking how we really do this uh, church thing? Yeah, I would just you know look at the New Testament. Look at look at examples there. You've got you know Paul and Titus. You've got Paul and Timothy. You've got the body of Christ emphasized, and just how how much. Uh, it's not just a, a multi-generational approach that you're looking for. It's an inter- intergenerational approach. It's not just a multicultural church. You want an intercultural church. So, you know, I think pastors, you know, if they can understand that this is not just, oh, we're going to do something new because we don't like how it was done in the past. No, it's got to be become more biblical. And if, if you feel like this is a more biblical approach, you know, I feel, feel like we're on really solid ground biblically. And, um, practically it it can happen and i think the more stories that can be told where it's where it's happening you've got you know maybe a younger person sharing about a relationship they have with with an older adult in their church and and older adult sharing uh maybe going on a on a missions trip together and just just the dynamics of hap, you know just the relational aspects of that and you know i think a lot of the modeling once it once it happens you know it it's contagious and people People see this is this is really a cool thing. It's it's not it's not something that's uh, it, it's a, to make the church better, not not uh, not to throw a dart at what's happening right now. So, and, and I know Sarah, there there are probably many in um, the different generations who who kind of think that well, uh, as you mentioned, Wes, you said many pastors kind of say, well, everybody seems to be doing well. The young. The children's ministry is going well. The youth ministry is going well. The college ministry is going well. The middle adults, the community groups are going well. The older group has their thing. And boy, look, look at all the people that are involved in that. But it's kind of sometimes um, that rationalization that everybody's doing well. Sometimes maybe we think we don't have anything in common. So my question, Sarah, you know, as a 20-something yourself, um, do you think your generation really wants to engage with the older generations? Yeah, I think they don't see the value um, all the time. And I think it's because 
we do feel um, pretty fulfilled, I think, by the relationships in our lives, um, like with the, the other people in their 20s or even like parental relationships, grandparent relationships. Um, a lot of my friends work with older people. Um, and so they probably feel fulfilled by those relationships. But I think like when we talked with Daniel Kim and he has taken like steps to build relationships with people in older generations and has really benefited from that. I just don't think that they see, like they understand how life-changing that that can be. And so I think it is kind of like an educational thing of like, this is what it could look like to have these kinds of relationships um, and why they truly would benefit you more than you're realizing or more than your, your 20-somethings relationships are. So I think I wouldn't say that they don't want to. I think that they just don't fully understand the value. Which is not much different than it is with the, the older adults, is it, Wes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm doing fine. I'm happy. I've got these good relationships. We we have our RV clubs and everything else, and <laughs> and we're we're great. We're doing great, you know. Now now you want me to step out of my comfort zone. Well, I I'm happy where I'm at. Yeah. So how do yeah. we get past that? That's part of the entitlement perspective. I think sometimes as older adults, we, we feel like, okay, we are entitled to, to just be comfortable the rest of our lives. And any idea that we're going to do something uncomfortable, it's like, no, that, that was for earlier in life. And, and we're not necessarily called to that. But I think, if, again, looking at scripture, I think we're called to, to move beyond our comfort zone throughout our life, not just um, up to retirement, but all the way through um, just continuing to to let the Lord use us in ways that that maybe we hadn't thought of thought of every time we go to minister to somebody we always come back to saying oh my goodness we got ministered to much more than than we ministered to them and and that's the you know I think the more testimonies you have from younger people reaching out and experiencing that kind of thing and sharing it with their peers you know for Kevin, you and you and myself to tell younger people how valuable it would be for them to, to have relationships with our generation. Yes. Come on now. <laughs> it, it, you know, again, they're going to probably uh, find a better. You're, you're going to have more of a response if, if it's coming from their peer group. And the same as far as mm-hmm. influencing lead pastors, you know, if you have younger people in the church that have this heart for older adults and just the excitement that they've experienced. And if they can share that with a, a lead pastor who may be kind of a little bit blinded to the, the benefit of intergenerational relationships, um, you know, sometimes it sounds complicated. We think of all the, the hurdles you need to go through and, you know, especially for you know, working with children, you have to get your fingerprints and, and all yeah. the background yeah. stuff. And it just, right. it sounds complicated and there, you have to be on guard for, people that would approach this in a, in a way that's unhealthy. But uh, again, just they can't let the enemy uh, take, you know, destroy this opportunity for yeah. so many of us who, who have a, a good heart and, and want to, to reach out for the right reasons. So, so do you think, do you think the greater responsibility lies on the shoulders of those of us in the older generation to lead the charge for building intergenera- intergenerational relationships? I think it's a it's a mutual thing. I, I look at uh, Peter and Cornelius, and Peter had the vision uh, to reach out to the Gentiles. Uh, 
Cornelius had the had the a similar vision. So it, it, when it comes from both both directions, it's so much better. And I think it's a little arrogant sometimes for us to say, you know, we, we're the older ones. We we need to lead the charge. And it's like I, I think it's both of us, both younger people leading the charge, saying, hey, we're we need older adults, and older adults saying, hey, we need younger people in our lives. And it's you know, it, it's probably a toss up in my mind as far as who's who's more responsible. Obviously. We, who who've been around longer, maybe maybe can see it better. But um, you know, again, I just I don't want to come across like you know we're we're the ones in charge and we're going to make this happen because <laughs> it's better if we kind of lay down some of our our presuppositions and think that we're we're going to do it. And um, but somewhere along the way, someone has to lead the charge. Right. Right. Yeah. So who leads it? <laughs> yeah. So right now we are leading the charge for our ministry, my wife, Judy and I, and, uh, but we're late sixties, early seventies. So we're, uh, we're knowing we need to pass the, bat- the baton to a younger leader. And our heart is to bring on a, a younger leader within the next year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody that would be in their probably thirties or forties, um, that could, that we could pass, pass the torch on to and, and, uh, so we're yes we're leading the charge, but just always looking for younger younger leaders too, and uh, and having having that kind of vision. We have it on our board. We have it on our uh, the videos we just did. Half of them are coming from people under 50, 55, and half are from older older than fifty five. And so we're trying to model what we're talking about, and um, it, it is effective. We know that that uh, younger people that have a passion for older adults, it's it's uh d- definitely an opportunity uh, and i think vocationally even um if they're really passionate really have a calling i think there's an opportunity for them to to make a big impact just like amy hansen has had uh, we've seen that story but it should be repeated a lot more than just amy so i thought the the 16 to 82 age span is amazing like that's that's so cool and impressive and i'm sure it was a blast too I just imagine watching, I mean, I get to watch Kevin play nine square with middle school and high schoolers every week. On Let's Sundays say attempt, and... attempt to play nine square. <laughs> but I think it's cool. Like I, I absolutely love watching generations do things together. And like Kevin has been a big inspiration for me of watching someone from an older generation, like very intentionally try to build relationships with high schoolers. And I just, I don't know. I think it's really cool. So uh, even a, a mission trip for your trips with the, that big of an age range is really cool. And, and exhausting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite passages is Psalm seventy-one, eighteen. Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. That's my favorite of all. Yeah. Just again, just seeing that that's that's a calling that we have. We are old and gray. We could say, okay, our time is over. But no, it's like there's there's miracles still ahead. There's there's relationships with younger generations. There's all this ahead of us. So just if we can stay encouraged and again, just acknowledge our need for younger generations in our lives, uh, we're going to be much uh much more apt to see that happen uh, again we've seen mature christian adults confess that they have relationships with nobody under under 30 or that kind of thing and, and it's like it just grieves our hearts because we want to see um 
just younger people benefiting from from their life experience. I mean, life experience teaches us so much, and um, you can't get that experience without time and 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 learning over 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 a period of time. So, we, yes, we do have a lot to offer, but again, we have so much to learn from from younger yeah. people. That was a valuable time with Wes, Sarah. I, yeah, I really. I really truly think we need each other. Um, I think that's just a given. My generation needs to learn from your generation and vice versa. Uh, we can't commend the works of God to one on another generation to generation if we don't do life together, can we? Yeah, no, we absolutely cannot. I really pray that this encouraged some of you to take a step towards creating relationships with someone from another generation. Just go for it. What do you have to lose? Uh, we'll hope you'll join us again for the next Engaging the Generations episode as we talk about what it means to do life together, generation to generation, so that we all grow in full maturity in Christ. Be sure to check out West Wick's website at www.yestoserve.org. And we always love to hear from our listeners. You can submit your comments or questions to Kevin at kevinharper.com. That's C-A-V-I-N at C-A-V-I-N-H-A-R-P-E-R.com. Until next time, I'm Sarah Greenstreet on behalf of our co-host, Kevin Harper, challenging you to intentionally and faithfully commend the mighty works of God and His truth to another generation. God God bless. bless.